podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Friday, the 30th of July, our last show of July. Another month passes us by. We are brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, access RTE Player if you're outside of Ireland and want to watch good coverage of the All-Ireland Championships. Access the BBC iPlayer if you're outside the UK and want to watch the BBC's excellent coverage of what is turning out to be a very interesting and exciting Olympic Games. It'll also keep your data safe. LibertyShield.com, EPLVPN is the code to use at checkout. Get you 20% off. Check out LibertyShield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out HomeofHopcroft.co. Dot UK, and we are brought to you by the EPL Index shop, which is located on Etsy. So download the Etsy app, search for EPL Index shop or EPL Index will bring it up. And there is merchandise options available there for many Premier League clubs. If you're a Man City or Chelsea fan, plenty of stuff there celebrating your latest successes. If you are a Liverpool fan, there is the Anfield Index shop also located on Etsy. Again, search Anfield Index and it will get you all the good merch. Right, folks, breaking news from John Percy, one of the best journalists in the country. Manchester City have made a £100 million bid for Aston Villa captain Jack Grealish. Don't know the details yet. Don't know if it's a cash offer. Don't know if it's an offer including add-ons. Don't know if there's players involved, but the total value of the offer, according to John Percy, £100 million, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Jack Grealish is a good player. There's no doubt he's a good player, but he's nothing close to a £100 million player. If Jack Grealish was a £100 million player, he'd be the second name on the England team sheet after Harry Kane. He'd be that level of player. Forgetting whether he's exactly the type of player Southgate wants, if he was that level, Southgate would have him in the team. But he's not. He'll be 26 in September. He has been a senior pro since the 14-15 season. That's when he really made his impact, first impact on the Aston Villa team. Wasn't a particularly good Aston Villa team. Wasn't a particularly good Aston Villa season. He played 24 games in all competitions. Didn't score. The following season, he plays 16 games in the league. 21 in all competitions. Scores one goal. Villa get relegated. Into the championship. And Grealish at this point is 21. You would expect that a player... Of his potential, 
of the hype that surrounded him even back then would have been able to stand out as the very best player in the championship. For two years, that didn't happen. His first season, he played 33 games in all competitions, got five goals. Second season, 31 and got three goals. He was a good player in the championship. He wasn't a standout. Now, his third season in the championship, he did definitely go up a level. There's no doubt he did. 22 turning 23. Sorry, 23 turning 24. Jack Grealish scored six goals in 31 league games, six and 35 in all competitions, but missed 15 games. And if you look at his championship seasons, he missed 15 games the first season. He missed 19 games the second season and 15 games that third season. It's a lot of football to miss. They weren't resting him. He was injured. He comes up into the Premier League with Villa. They put over £100 million worth of talent around him. And they stay up because Hawkeye missed a blatant Sheffield United goal. He scores eight goals in... 36 games, 10 and 41 across all competitions. His goal return is good. The stats are gaudy, but he doesn't facilitate them winning games. He plays some games in midfield and was an abomination in a midfield three. He was moved into the forward line and he improved, but he wasn't great. He didn't carry the team to victories. He didn't single-handedly keep them up. He had a decent little run at the end of the season. But the idea that he single-handedly kept them up isn't based in reality. Now, last season, he starts off brilliantly. He has a 16 or 17 game run where he's playing really well. Really, really well. Then he gets hurt and he misses three months. Comes back at the end of the season. There's nothing much in his... He'd lost form before he got hurt, it's worth pointing out. From the turn of the year until he got hurt, he wasn't particularly good. He got a couple of assists, but he wasn't playing well. But he gets hurt, and again, he misses 12 games. So over the last five seasons, you're looking at someone that's missed... 61 league games in five seasons. That's a lot of football to be missing. It's a lot of injuries to put your th- your trust into, to have faith in him overcoming those injuries. So the first thing I would say is he's injury prone. The second thing I would say is I have no evidence to suggest that he facilitates winning at the highest level. It's not like he's carrying a bunch of scrubs at Villa. Villa have invested about $250 million since they got promoted in putting talent around him. There's very little left from their time in the championship. There's him, there's John McGinn, and Tyron Mings. And that's it in their starting eleven: Martinez, Cash, Conza, Target, Douglas Louise. Barkley last season, Buendia the season coming, and Bertrand Traore were all signed once they'd been promoted, as was Trezeguet. Now, they did have El Ghazi in the championship, but he hasn't played a whole bunch in the Premier League. Certainly not this past season. Had that little run of form. 
And then up front, Watkins and before him, Wesley, they bought both of them when they came up. So it's not like he's carrying a team of championship players. That's very expensive talent that they've brought in to put around him. They finished 17th in the first season back in the Premier League. And then this past season, they finished 11th. Now, I'm sure Villa fans will say, oh, yeah, but when he was out injured, that's when we dropped in the table. It really isn't. It really isn't. You were 11th on January 20th. He was still there. You actually went up in the table without him to 8th, spent some time in ninth, and then dropped into 11th. So Jack Grealish getting hurt isn't the reason the Villa finished 11th. They were 11th with Grealish in the team. They'd gone as high as 5th. They'd been 2nd early in the season, the first couple of weeks, when, you know, Everton were top of the league, so it's irrelevant. Um, but they were 11th in week 11, which is the start mid-December. They were 11th in week 16, which was mid-January. Grealish was there. They didn't collapse after he got hurt. They maintained about the same level. Their form had fallen off a cliff, even with him in the team. So I don't know that he facilitates winning to a massive amount. I know his underlying numbers are very impressive. And I know like people will point at chances created, carries into the box, fouls won, all those type of things. And they're all impressive numbers. But they're impressive numbers because he has all of the ball. Everything at Villa goes through Grealish. Any Villa player gets the ball, the first thing they do is look for Grealish. Then they scan their other options. That's not going to be the case at City. He's not going to have nearly as much of the ball. Because the first thing people do at City is they look for Kevin De Bruyne. And that's going to remain the same. Now, City have played a bunch of different formations over the last few years. 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. Last season, we saw some back three stuff from them. I don't know where Grealish fits perfectly into this City team. In a 4-3-3, he can only really play left side of the front three. Again, I've seen people suggest, oh, he'll play as an eight. He's not better than Gundogan. And that second eight, because De Bruyne will be one, that second eight in a pep team tends to sit a little bit more in midfield and act as a playmaker and then make late runs off the ball. Silva did it. Gundogan has done it. Gundogan's obviously more defensive-minded than Silva was. But last season, we saw him make a lot of late runs into the box and get goals. That's not Grealish's game. Grealish isn't particularly good off the ball. You want Grealish on the ball. So you play him in that left-sided forward role. So you now have to move Raheem Sterling to the right side. Now, you can argue Raheem Sterling is better on the right side, and I would agree with you. I think he is. But then you've got Mares, you've got Foden, you've got Bernardo Silva. Now, I think Mares and Silva are both better than Grealish. Mares maybe not anymore, but certainly at his best, he was better than Grealish. Bernardo Silva is better than Grealish, and I don't think there's much difference. Bernardo's probably two years older. Not even. Bernardo will be 27 in August. 
Grealish is 26 in September. There's just over a year between them. You already own Bernardo Silva. You've got Phil Foden, one of the brightest young players in the country, one of the brightest young players in Europe, a player Pep says is maybe one of the best young players he's ever worked with. So where does he fit? Now, maybe he becomes the number eight. But again, what do you do then with Gundogan, who was your best player last season? They could change the shape. They could go 4-2-3-1. But again, Grealish will have to play on the left wing. Again, I'd rather have Sterling there than Grealish. And if I play Sterling in the right, I still have the Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden, Riyad Mahrez issue. Now, the talk is that they want Kane as well, obviously. So that's going to fill that number nine spot. So none of the wide players are going to be able to play as the number nine like they did, did last season. So I just don't see how Grealish fits well into a City team. I can see him playing left side in a 4-2-3-1. And I can see him being quite effective there. But as I said, I'd rather have Sterling there than Grealish. And I really don't like the idea of Grealish and João Canseo from a defensive point of view down that side. We don't know how effective Jack Grealish is going to be playing off the ball, not having everything run through him. When that happened at Villa in his early years, he was very ineffective. He became a player everybody talked about wanting their clubs to sign when everything started going through him. And the issue with that is that doesn't happen at big clubs. Even with De Bruyne, most stuff goes through him, but not to the level it did with Grealish at Villa. Now, I'd love the analytics community to come up with something similar to what the NBA have in terms of usage rate. That statistic is vital in the NBA to determining the efficiency of a player, the effectiveness of a player. How much of the ball do they have? How many times in a game are they touching the ball, making a pass? What does that compare to the rest of their teammates? How many times when they carry the ball into the opposition's half is that player involved compared to everybody else? Tom Warville, you say you changed the game. Make that happen for me, son. He's a good player. He's not a great player. He's injury-prone. He doesn't facilitate winning, or he hasn't shown that he does as yet. What's he going to be like being a medium-sized fish in a big pond as opposed to a big fish in a small pond? And Villa's not a small pond. That's unfair. But until this past season, he largely played in bad Villa teams, relegation-threatened teams or championship teams. This season, it was a mid-table Villa team. But again, $250 million spent since they came up to put that talent around him. Is that him elevating them or is all that money elevating them? I happen to think it's the money. I happen to think if I look at that Villa team, Emi Martinez, Esri Konza, Douglas Louise is the spine of that team. That's the real strength of that team. That, that 3-0 is what has lifted Villa into midfield, into mid-table. Grealish has also never put together a great season. You can't find one, not in his entire career. 
you just can't find a single one. And people will say, oh, 18, 19 in the championship. First of all, he missed 15 games. So it's not a great season. It's a great spell. Secondly, it's in the championship. And again, last season. But he wasn't great for the whole season. He was great for the first 16 or so games. Then he was poor. Then he was injured. And then he came back and didn't really offer anything in the last couple of games. So I wouldn't consider paying close to that for Grealish. And people can say, oh, well, Pep Guardiola knows best. Maybe. He certainly knows more about me than football. More than me about football. He certainly knows more about how to set a team up, the tactical side of the game, etc., etc. But I would point you to some of the signings he's made in his time as a manager. When he has had control of team funds and team finances, it hasn't always gone well. He was the one that pushed for Ibrahimovic, paid 46 million euro, and Samuel Eto'o, who had to have been worth at least 30 million. That was a disaster. He insisted on buying Kerrison from Palmieri's. Disaster. He insisted on buying Kriginski from Shakhtar Donetsk for 25 million euro. Disaster. That, that summer alone, Pep Guardiola spent 85 million and Samuel Eto'o on three players that flopped massively. Barca took control of transfers off him after that. Such was the disaster that was made with that group of players. Bayern never gave him control. That's not how Bayern work. Bayern told him, you come here, we pick the players for you. He will have had input, but he wasn't making the final decisions. But at City, he makes the decisions. Pep makes the decisions at City. So let's look at what they've done. First summer, Gundogan, good signing. Nolito, disaster. Zinchenko, probably more a youth signing than a Pep signing. Good signing, though. Leroy Sané, good signing. John Stones, I mean, are we really going to say he's been a good signing? He's had one good season. Claudio Bravo, disaster. Gabriel Jesus, I mean, he's a, he's a solid squad attacker, but for £27 million, he was expected to replace Aguero. And now they want Harry Kane. So that hasn't worked the way they hoped it would work. Not a failure, but certainly not a success. 17-18, Bernardo Silva, yeah, good signing. Ederson, overpay, but good signing. 50 million for Kyle Walker, really? Danilo, 27 million? Benjamin Mendy for 50 million? Americ Laporte at 57 million, good signing. But now they'd probably lose money on him because he's fallen out of favor with Pep. 18-19, we go into Pep's bank again. 60 million on Mares. He's a good player. 60 million was probably the edge of what he was worth. It hasn't always been brilliant at City for him, but he's still a good player. I do like him. They didn't really sign anyone else that summer. That was a, a quiet summer for City. Uh, 1920, Angelino, they'd had him, they'd sell, sold him, they brought him back, they sold him again. 
63 million for Rodri. A good player, a very good player. But they wanted a replacement for Fernandinho and they bought a completely different type of defensive midfielder and then seemed surprised when that didn't work. 60 million for Joe Canseo? Really? The most inconsistent footballer in Europe, perhaps? Who would flit from brilliant to dreadful from game to game and still does so? Really good start to last season. Shocking second half of the season. Same thing as year at Juve. Same thing as year at Inter. Same thing at Valencia. Joe Canseo is just an inconsistent player. It's just what he is. And then last summer, yeah, Ruben Diaz had a great season. Let's wait and see how he does in season two. Nathan Aki for 40 million, though? Really? Nathan Aki. 40 million on a guy who at best is going to be your third centre-back, but most likely is your fourth centre-back. So Pep's success record on transfers isn't great. It isn't great. And when we consider that the best players from his time at Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne didn't buy him. Raheem Sterling didn't buy him. Sergio Aguero didn't buy him. David Silva didn't buy him either. Vincent Company didn't buy him. The other one of the great City players from the last decade is Yaya Toure. They didn't buy him either. I don't think a single Pep signing is among the six best players, sorry, the seven best players City have had in the past decade. And the seventh one would be Fernandinho, also one of the best players of his time there. Didn't buy him either. Pep's been there five years. He's won three titles, but he spent a billion quid. A billion quid, give or take. Are we really going to argue that any of the players he signed are in the seven best city players from the last ten years? He's been there half of that. Again, Aguero, Silva, Company, Yaya, Fernandinho, De Bruyne, Sterling. Name me the one who goes in above any of them. So I don't trust Pep's judgment on transfers because he hasn't given me anything to trust him on. He's overpaid for a lot of average players. He's overpaid for a lot of British players. And they're doing that again. Now, Grealish isn't average. But there's no doubt that if he had an Irish passport and played for Ireland like he was going to, there's no way you'd be looking at 100 million for him. Not for what he's produced on the field. You're very much speculating on what he might produce at City. But there's nothing to base that on because he's never played in a team that play like City, where he'll have a role like he'll have at City where he won't be the guy. You're gambling on him staying fit, which he hasn't shown any ability to do. Only one season has he missed less than 15, sorry, less than 12 Premier League starts. Less than 12 league starts. Only one in the seven seasons he's been a pro. In the first two seasons, you can say he was a young player, but he was still injured a fair bit. 
the three years in the championship, he misses 15, 19, and 15. 19, 20, he plays 36 games, and they nearly get relegated. And then last season, he misses 12. Even his season at Notts County on loan, he missed nine games. And that was in League One. So we're, we're not accepting that as a great season, a good season, or anything of the sort. It's League One football. 12 caps, no goals for England yet. Didn't have the impact he was expected to have at the Euros. A couple of decent showings, but, you know, didn't really take over a game like we were told he was going to. He's a good player, but 100 million is ludicrous money. Ludicrous money for a player who offers what Grealish offers. Moving on. Conor Gallagher looks set to join Crystal Palace on a season-long loan from Chelsea. Obviously, Leeds had interest in him as well, but it looks like he has chosen to move across London and go to Chelsea with his good friend Mark Guehi. Uh, They've played together, obviously, at Chelsea and at Swansea on a loan. Um, it adds to what has been so far a very, very impressive transfer window for Crystal Palace. Um Michael Elise brought from Reading for eight million, Mark Guehi for about eighteen million from Chelsea, and Joachim Anderson for about twenty million from Leon. I don't think they're done. I still think they've got more business to do, but those four signings are very, very impressive. Young, talented players. They may well be able to keep Gallagher in a year because it doesn't look like there's a real future for him at Chelsea. But if they bring him in and he does well, I mean, it, it may settle him. He may be very, very happy to stick around. I, I credit them with one of the better windows so far. Bad news from Manchester United. Marcus Rashford has had his sh- soldier, shoulder surgery and is set to miss three months. Sorry, he's having it next week, but he's going to miss about three months. So we're looking at kind of mid-November before he's likely back and then to get himself back up to full speed could be mid-December. You're talking not quite half a season, but there, thereabouts. That's a lot for Grealish, for, for Rashford to miss. Now, what it could well do is allow Sancho to come in and start on the on the right uh, on the left wing with Greenwood on the right wing. Now it could also be Sancho on the right with Martial on the left. It could be Sancho on the left with Ahmed Diallo on the right. United have good options there. But there's no question, losing a player of Rashford's quality is huge. To lose him for that long is massive. It's going to be something that does affect them. They are going to miss him. There's no doubt about it. He was inconsistent last season, but still 21 goals in 57 games. The season before, 22 and 44. He's a consistent source of goals. He's a decent chance creator. Wins a lot of free kicks. Wins penalties. Has that great pace on the counter-attack. Rashford's a very important player for United. And uh, and they will miss him while he's out. Uh, Mike McGrath in the Telegraph is reporting. uh, Again, Dusan Vlahovic is the number one target for the City attack. For the, excuse me, for the Tottenham attack. My guess is if they sign him, Kane is going. I can't see how the two would play together. Vlahovic is definitely not going to leave Fiorentina to come and be a squad player. So that's my guess. Uh, Spurs have also received a bid from Galatasaray from, for Jaffa Tanganga. I like Tanganga. I think he's a very good young centre-back. 
I think if he is available, there'll be Premier League clubs that'll have interest in him. Uh, at 22, he's still got plenty of development ahead of him. But what I've liked, what I've seen, can also play right back. I expect Spurs will turn that deal down. I don't think they'll look to sell him. Uh, they have loaned Troy Parrott to MK Dons. He's been unveiled as a loan signing for a year. And I think that's a a clever move for all parties involved. Parrott's very, very talented, but needs to get games. Needs to be playing regularly. Obviously, that won't happen at Spurs. Didn't have a great loan last year with Millwall, but I think League One with, with MK Dons, he should do well and he can start to grow and develop and become the player that he has the the promise to be, um, which is, you know, uh, I think a, he'll be a very good player if he hits his P. If he hits his potential, he'll be a very good player. Uh, has a good all-round game already. Scored a lot of goals at youth level. Needs to bring that now to senior level. Uh, didn't go well at Millwall. Did better at Ipswich, it must be said, in, in the second half of the season. Spurs pulled him back from from Millwall because he wasn't getting enough games and, and sent him on to, to Ipswich. And League One did seem to suit him that bit better. Um, after sealing Alphonse Ariola, which was announced yesterday after we finished recording, West Ham are now targeting Kurt Zuma. And Zuma is believed to prefer the idea of a move across London than going to Sevilla. Sevilla are holding out for about 80 million euro, which is about 68 million pound for Kunde. Chelsea were trying to use Zuma to bring that money down. Doesn't look like Zuma wants that move. Doesn't really look like Sevilla are all that interested in him either. So Chelsea may have to reassess how they go about trying to get Jules Kunde. Uh, Manchester City have agreed a deal to sell Ivan Illich to Hellas Verona. Uh, about €8 million, Euro, so about £6 million. Talented player. Um, his brother, I think, is also at City, Luca. Um, both very good players. But Ivan is probably the more talented of the two. He's the younger of the two as well. Um Good defensive midfielder, can play a little bit at left back, solid on the ball, progresses the ball well through the lines. And um, I do think it's a good signing for Verona. I'd imagine City will have a buyback clause in that. I don't think they'd let him go without having some sort of protection on his future. Um, His brother's currently on loan at 20 now, whether that was just for last season or this season, I don't fully know. But the Illich boys are both very talented. City plucked them quite young from Red Star Belgrade. And um, they've had them on a bunch of loans. They haven't featured for the first team. But Ivan's the more talented of the two, in, in, in my view, from what I've seen. I saw him a little bit um, with NAC Breda two years ago. And then he played on loan last season with Hellas Verona. So they're looking to keep him. Hellas Verona also doing a deal to sell young centre-back Matteo Lovato. Now, the reason that is relevant as on a Premier League podcast is because they're selling him to Atalanta, who Spurs are then trying to buy Christian Romero from. Lovato is very, very highly rated. A lot of people say that him and Bastoni of Inter Milan are the future 
of the Italian national team at the centre-back position. So maybe Atalanta bringing him in frees up Romero to go. They might come down a little bit on the price. Um, Romero's believed to be keen on the deal. Spurs obviously have made him a primary target. I, I think, he, like I said before, I think he'd be a great signing for for Spurs. And I think Atalanta have done well to get in Lovato, even if they keep Romero. Having Lovato is also a bonus there because now you've got two really good young centre-backs. And actually, they have a third whose name escapes me. I think he's, is he Croatian? Uh, let me just check quickly. I think he's Croatian. Uh, yes, Bosco Satulo. Um, very, very promising as well. And they're linked with a couple of others. They've been linked with... Um, Christ, what's the fellow's name from Lee? Oh, Sven Botman. They've been linked with him as well. So it may well be that this opens up the uh, the deal for for Spurs to get Romero across the line, which would be huge for them. They've been plugging away at that one for a little while. So, um, so other news coming out regarding Villa and City is that Villa are still offering Grealish a new contract, big raise on what he had previously been on, having signed a new contract last summer. They want to keep him. They don't see that they need to sell him. They're, owned by very rich men. So they don't see selling Grealish as something that they need to do unless he asks to leave. It looks like he may well he may well be kept there. Um, I think for 100 million, though, you just have to sell him. You have to sell him. You turn around and you reinvest that money. Go and get yourself Tammy Abraham. I think you could probably get Deli Ali. I think they could get Deli Ali. And if I've got Buendia and Ali as two of the three behind Tammy and Watkins then as the third. So I play Watkins from the left. Delhi is my 10. Tammy is the 9. And Buendia sort of tucked narrow on the right. Maddie Cash is your overlapping right back. Tammy be 40 million. 30 probably gets you Delhi. That leaves you 30 million. And I think you can go and plug that hole at centre-back that you currently call Tyron Mings. I think you can go and get yourself a proper centre-back to play there. Maxence Lacroix is who I would recommend from Wolfsburg. £30 million probably gets him. He is ideal to play next to Esri Konza. And I think if you have Tammy, Deli, and Lacroix, you're better off than you are with Jack Grealish. Now, Deli might be a stretch. He might not fancy that move, but chance for him to reinvigorate his career, a chance for him to get back into the England reckoning. Villa are a huge club. Like, historically, Villa are a bigger club than Spurs. Spurs have become a bigger club in the last decade. But before that, there's no doubt Villa were the bigger club. Um, they've had much more success over their history, more league titles, uh, a European Cup. Villa were mismanaged by poor ownership for a number of years, while Spurs were well-managed and well-grown. But there's real potential at Villa for them to get themselves back up into the mix and and force a rethink about what the big six is. People talk about Leicester. I look at Villa with the ownership they have, 
with the money that's behind them, with the history that they have, Villa are far closer to becoming the seventh of the big clubs, quote-unquote, than Leicester City are, even if Leicester have a better team now. But would anyone argue that if you had Tammy Abraham, Deli Ali, and Maxence Lacroix, you wouldn't be better off? Does anyone want to argue against that? I don't, I don't think you would. Um, so if I was Villa and there's 100 million on the table, I'm taking it. I'm, I'm taking it in a check and I'm driving Jack Grealish to Manchester. I'm telling him all the way along the road what a great player he's been for the club, what a great servant he is. But I'm letting him know, you know, you're going there, son. One way or another, we're getting that 100 million. Uh, big boost for Liverpool. Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez returned from injury to, spe- uh, to play in last night's Friendly game, um, Van Dyke tweeted after the game, 285 days ago, I started on a journey back towards playing. It's hard to express how I'm feeling. And it's important to me to say that I feel blessed to have had the support of so many incredible people. Uh, he made a slight error for for a goal. Um, Liverpool lost the game 4-3, but it, it's irrelevant. He was just... Having him back on the field, seeing him walk back out was massive for, I think, everybody connected to Liverpool. Great to see Gomez back as well, obviously. Uh, he had a horrendous knee injury. It's probably a longer road back from here for Gomez than from Virgil. Virgil may miss the first game or two of the season, but then he should be back. Whereas with Joe, I think he'll have to be brought along quite slowly. Um, while on the topic of Liverpool, there is a question that was missed from yesterday. This one came in from uh, Janeezy Fushizi. Um, the question is, what is Cade Gordon's best position and potential moving forward? So I have to plead ignorance a little bit on Cade Gordon. I hadn't seen him more than once when he was at Derby. I saw one youth game randomly. Somebody was streaming it on Twitter, and uh, and I watched it, and he looked very, very impressive. I've watched him play quite a bit since he's joined Liverpool, and he is a, he's an enormous talent. I don't, don't want to say he's nailed on to be a first-team player for Liverpool, but I would be surprised if he doesn't become, at the very least, a good squad player for Liverpool, or a really good starter elsewhere. He has so much natural talent. And physically, he's only starting to really grow and build out. Uh, Simon Brundish, who contributes to Anfield Index Pro, is one of the top sports scientists in Europe. Simon has known Cade since he was a kid. He's a family friend um, from the Derby area. And he said that the likelihood is he ends up around 6'1 and pretty well built based on his brothers and, you know, kind of genetic profiling. Um, I think likelihood his best position is as a number 10. But I can also see him being able to play off the right in a 4-2-3-1. Now, Liverpool have another player who can also play those two positions in Harvey Elliott. So it may well be that long-term, Liverpool move to something like a 4-2-3-1 with Cade operating as from the number 10 position, Harvey in that right side of the three position with both of them just interchanging and causing problems for teams. They also have that young Polish winger uh, whose name I will not 
attempt to pronounce. I think his first name is Matthias. Um, very, very talented. Whether or not he's of the same level, I'm not yet sure. But it's exciting for Liverpool to have, at the very least, two elite young talents in Elliot and Gordon. Obviously, Elliot's a couple of years older. But I think he's actually only one year older. When is when is Harvey Elliott's birthday? If we saw if anyone saw what Harvey Elliott did in the championship last season for Blackburn at 17 turning 18, that was more impressive than Jack Grealish's best season in the championship because he wasn't doing it with a whole bunch of big name players around him. He was doing it for a mid-table Blackburn team. Um Harvey was 18 in April of he was born in 2003. So there's about 18 months between them. So it's really exciting for Liverpool to have the two of them uh, coming through over the next couple of years. And if they can find that kind of link up in that number 10 right side position, I think that'll be really, really exciting for, for all Liverpool fans. Uh, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up with the gossip. See you in a couple. Right, welcome back. Um, Aston Villa are set to restart talks with Jack Grealish next week and willing to offer him a new contract. That's from the Express and Star. Obviously, the John Percy news today kind of comes over the top of that. But there's definitely no no question that Villa want to keep him and uh, will offer him a new deal. Um, Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola hopes to have a deal for Grealish done in time for the Charity Shield on August 7th. So that's obviously a week tomorrow. Week Sunday. A week on Sunday. Um, yeah, a week on Sunday would make more sense. Uh, which is, you know, makes sense that he wants to have him in place before the season really starts. Paul Pogba's agent, Mino Riola, has offered the Manchester United and France midfielder to Liverpool. I doubt it. And if they, if he did, I can imagine it was a fairly short response he got. Uh, West Ham are preparing to make a £20 million uh, move for Kurtzuma. We went over that earlier on. Uh, Manchester City's Brazilian goalkeeper Edison is set to be handed a three-year contract extension. Again, makes sense. They paid a lot lot of money for him. He does have his flaws, but he is a good goalkeeper. Former Arsenal boss Arsene Wenger has been linked with the vacant Switzerland job. The Frenchman has not worked in management since his 22-year reign at the Gunners came to an end in 2018. I think if the French FA have any sense, they bin off Deschamps after his disgraceful performance at Euro 2020 and they appoint Wenger. I don't care that Deschamps won the World Cup. France won the World Cup largely in spite of Didier Deschamps. He's not a good manager. Wenger's a great manager. And I think Wenger's the type of guy you want overlooking your national team and your entire national setup. Um, Tottenham are set to increase their bid for Christian Romero after Atalanta turned down a player swap deal from Barcelona. Barcelona love these player swaps. Nobody wants the crap that you're offering, Barca. So just eat it. Just just live with the fact that you're stuck with those players. United States defender Serginho Dest is determined to stay at Barcelona and has rebuffed approaches from Arsenal, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, according to ESPN. Um... If I was him, I'd probably go to, to Bayern Munich if they were making me an offer because the club you're at are a mess. Uh, Belgian striker Romelu Lukaku has made it clear he wants to stay 
with Italian champions into Milan after immediately rejecting an offer to return to Chelsea. He couldn't be more clear on this. He said this 15 different times now. He wants to stay. They've been very clear that they're not willing to sell him either. Sassuolo chief executive Giovanni Carnavali has said they will only consider selling 23-year-old midfielder Manuel Locatelli, who's been linked with Arsenal and Juve, if the right offer is made well in advance. So he actually said that he would not sell anybody, I think he said after August 8th, which gives teams just over a week to try and get either Locatelli or Berardi or Jeremy Boga. That man doesn't seem to mess about either. The Juventus offer that was reported was insulting. Uh, And it doesn't look like the player wants to go to Arsenal. Now, he did mention that another Premier League club had been in contact about Locatelli. So I'd be interested to know who that is. Um, I could see him making sense for Spurs. And we know that Paratici is a, is a long-time admirer of Locatelli. So that, that could be who it is. Um, it could be Liverpool. They're looking for a midfielder, but I think they'll get Saul. Atletico Madrid and England defender Kieran Trippier expects his move to Manchester United to take until the end of the transfer window to go through. Yeah, I, I, I guess that it will be closer to the end. I think United have to move some pieces around and obviously Atletico will want to, to get a player or two in as well. Arsenal are ready to listen to way, to offers for Willian to help reduce the wage bill. The offer you're going to get is if you're lucky, someone takes him on a free and gives him the same wages. Now, the only places he's getting that type of money is the Middle East. So if he's willing to go to Qatar or Saudi, he'll get the same kind of money. If he's not, you're going to be paying him to go away, but nobody is giving you a real fee for him. Real Madrid are willing to let Martin Odegaard leave for around $43 million with Arsenal interested in the 22-year-old. I don't see Arsenal coming up with $43 million because I think Real will want that money quick, fast. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing that one happen. AC Milan have made Hakim Ziyech the top target as they look to bolster their attacking options. Yeah, he did, didn't go well at Chelsea. He's obviously a talented player, but he, he needs to be the, the main man in the team. Similar enough, by the way, to someone we talked about earlier. Um, I think he'd make sense for Milan. Aston Villa are preparing to begin talks with Emi Martinez, but a new long-term contract. Fair, earned it last season, best keeper in the, in the league for the season. Torino have tabled a very big contract extension offer to Andrea Bellotti as they try to fend off interest from Jose Mourinho's Roma and Arsenal. Um, again, I don't know that Arsenal would have the money, but w- could they swap Lacazette? Would Lacazette go there? Maybe Lacazette and 10 million gets you Bellotti. Roma did sign a striker yesterday whose name is escaping me. I know he is from, I think, Uzbekistan. Um, Elder Shemurdov of Genoa. Not a big time goal scorer in Serie A last season, just the eight goals, but 6 3, big kind of unit. Um, guys mentioning that. Bellotti has been linked with Zenit St. Petersburg. They'd have money to spend. I don't know if he'd be willing to go to Russia. I think he'd rather stay in Italy. Uh, and I do think he'd probably like to go to Roma because uh, one of his great heroes is is uh, Francesco Totti. 
France striker Karim Benzema is set to sign a new deal with Real Madrid, keep him in the Spanish capital until 2023. You have to have your backup plan in place in case you don't get the two big boys next summer. Um, Newcastle have overtaken Aston Villa in the race to sign Axel Tunzebi on loan from Manchester United this summer. If I'm not mistaken, he was at loan on Villa... At, at loan at Villa twice uh, in the past, kind of a half season, then a full season. Um, so I think he might prefer to go back there. But again, he doesn't really solve the the Tyron Mings problem. He'd be a solid backup for Villa for Esri Conza, but doesn't solve the Mings issue. And then finally, veteran Italian centre-back Giorgio Cialini expects to sign a contract extension with Juventus with the 36-year-old's previous deal having run out during the summer when he helped his country win Euro 2020. I think they give him whatever he wants. He proved in the summer he can still play at a very high level. Um, for Juve, he, I think, would would be a squad player now. I imagine Benucci and Delict are the starters for the next couple of seasons. But he's a solid third or fourth centre-back. They still have Demerel there. They have that young Romanian um, centre-back as well, whose name escapes me, Draguzic or something like that. He's he's very, very talented. So, yeah, keep you, you of course keep Cellini. He's an absolute legend of the club. And um, if you don't keep him, someone else will grab him. That's it then. That is the gossip. That is the show. Thank you, as always, for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. It is a bank holiday w- weekend here in Ireland. And to celebrate, it is absolutely teeming rain. It is lashing it down. Buckets of the stuff bouncing off the window. So if you've heard any kind of rattling noise behind me during this podcast, uh, apologies for that. It is the rain hammering off the window. I'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.